Hi everyone, this is Alexis Hightower and on this podcast, Dean Eastman and I sit down along with a variety of business professionals to talk about all things business. Whether this is your lunch, study break, walk to class, or on your drive into work, we are happy you are listening. Welcome to what we consider the buzz on business. All right, today we have two of my favorite professors. I think you say that every time, well, Alexis. So, listen. I, you know, not to give your ego too much of a, a boost, all right? So. Hey, Dr. Bowler is one of my favorite people I've met. Oh, I see. Now we're qualifying professors. it. Okay. Does that make right. sense? You can also say undergraduate and undergraduate professor. Yes. There you go. Okay, so On perfect. Tuesday versus Wednesday. <laughs> right. Okay, here we have Abby and Evan Davis. Hello, guys. Welcome. Glad you guys are, came on. Thank you for having us. Of course. We are delighted to have you both. For our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, you didn't tell us that. Yeah, no pressure. So No pressure uh, at all. Do we <laughs> do we even have plans for Valentine's Day? No, absolutely not. But we will make plans now <laughs> because now of this podcast. Plans. We're yes. going to listen to this. On going to and coming from. So my wife and I, we agreed years ago to just skip the whole Valentine's thing. So romantic, Dean. Yeah, <laughs> I am. You can tell she's not. She's the one. Every time I try to be romantic, she laughs. So I'm like, I'm done. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, first off, why does Dean Eastman call you? Boomerang? Ah, uh, <laughs> so um, I was very fortunate to have Dean Eastman as a professor when I was doing my master's here. And I, when I finished my MBA, I actually lived here in Stillwater and he and I happened to bump into each other and talked about potentially teaching a class. And so I did that, but I was still relatively young and I'm not sure I was quite an adult yet. And so every summer I would run away from home. And so I would walk into his office at the end of every spring semester and say, you know what? Thank you so much. It's been fun, but I'm going to move to the West Coast. And I would pack up my stuff and I'd run away from home and I'd go live in LA for the summer or, or Las Vegas or whatever. And then halfway through the summer, I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't like it here. And I'd call Dean Eastman. I'd be like, hey, can I have my job back? <laughs> Every time I'd leave, he'd just tell our administrative uh, professional in the management department, he'd just tell her, oh, he'll be back. Yep. So we just, uh, I just called him, eh, it's just boomerang. He'll be back. <laughs> he goes out and he comes back. God, I stuck you with five like different classes, Tulsa here. It was a horrendous. He really helped me out though. I was desperate for people to teach. I, I was very much kind of a, a utility person in the management department for my first couple of years. Uh, but it was wonderful because I, that way I got a, a broad overview. I, you know, I really got to engage with a lot of different content. I really enjoyed it. And you said you were in Stillwater, so you're from Stillwater, right? Uh, so my family and I moved here uh, when my father took a, a position as a professor here at Oklahoma State in the 70s. And so we moved here from Norman. Okay, from Norman. Oh. His initials are red, by the way. His parents are Sooners. Both of them, yeah. Both of my parents have uh, graduate degrees from the University of Oklahoma, and they tell me that it's totally coincidence, and I'm not sure I believe them. Oh, wow. Okay. So how long have you been here since, you said the 70s? Uh, yeah, since I was, so we moved here in 1978. 1978, okay. And uh, been here off and on since then. You know, I've lived other places, but, you know, it hasn't always been Stillwater. Okay. Now, Abby, where are you from? So I'm originally from right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Wow. And then grew up most of like high school in Morgantown, West Virginia. And so I spent 10 years there and then moved here right after I graduated high school. Oh, wow. And came here for undergrad? Came here for undergrad. Yes. In fact, I was registered and ready to go 
to WVU on a scholarship. And at the last second, our family decided we needed a change. And so we, here we are. So Oklahoma. So Oklahoma. So what, what prompted the, I don't know if I've ever asked you that, prompted the move to Oklahoma? The internet. The, the internet. <laughs> and and a, I mean, a lot of things. My mom wasn't really happy with her job. We, we knew we wanted to start new somewhere, but we didn't know where. And she literally took a personality assessment for where you should live. It asked you things like how close do you want an airport, cost of living. It was called findyourspot.com. I think if you go there, it'll reroute you to another. Is um, still a thing? It, it is still a thing. And you can go there and take this personality assessment. And Tulsa, Oklahoma was number one after she took it. Low really? cost of living was really important. Um, and a lot of other factors that we probably don't have time to talk about today. But <laughs> that landed us here. And I came to Stillwater. And it was closest there. It was closest to, to Tulsa. And I went to OU and um, I was just blown away by our campus. So here I am. Oh, wow. And what were your undergrad degrees? Or I guess what were each other? Like, can you quiz each other? Like, do you know his? And hers was hers was management with a focus in human resources. Yeah, we didn't have an HR major at that time. It was like an HR concentration, I think. Were you were you marketing? I was marketing. Ah, there, you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Minors in economics and international business. Okay, that I didn't know. Okay. And you guys both got your MBAs here. How many credits? Mine focused in management and it was 50 something credits. I'd have to go back and look at oh, my Oh yeah, it was about 50 credits. Yeah. It was 50 plus. And how many were yours? Mine was 52 credits. Okay. And I got my MBA because I graduated during the 2008 recession. I mean, there were no jobs. And I took an awful job for six months. And I'm like, this is terrible. I'm going to go back to school. And sure enough, by 2011, when I graduated, things were much better. All right. And then you're working on your PhD, Abby, correct? Correct. And you have your PhD. Mm -hmm. So what was yours in? So I actually moved over to the College of Education and pursued a PhD in educational psychology and then focused on quantitative psychology and a department they call REMS, Research Evaluation Measurement Statistics. Wow, that's a lot of words. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that stat stuff. That was essentially, yeah, my entire PhD was uh, psychometrics, which is the, you know, the science and study of psychological and, and evaluation and testing. Um, was really lucky there was a professor named Dale Fuquay um, who was well-regarded, well-respected, Regents professor, amazing guy. And I, I had a conversation with him and he said, if you're really interested in this, I will, you know, be the chair for your, for your dissertation and work with you throughout the process. And he was just an amazing mentor. And I was really lucky to end up in that program. And did you do that right after MBA? No. Um, so <laughs> funny story. Sorry. While I was a graduate student, I still had some money left over from uh, my time in Seattle. And I, I randomly, in a chance encounter, had an opportunity to buy in as a partner in a bar down on the strip. And so that's what kept me uh, here in Stillwater after my MBA was, you know, I was interviewing with a couple of different companies like Trinity and some places in Dallas. But I ended up buying this bar. And so while I was finishing my MBA, I owned and operated a bar. On the uh, strip. On the strip. So we were dating and he was working on finishing his PhD. Now he was bar bartender, PhD student, and pizza boy. 
when we first started dating because he also managed the hideaway. And so getting a date was like never, it never happened because he worked 24 seven, but we were, we were together and I, I don't know if we were engaged at this point or not, but he came home one day and he's like, that's it. I'm done. No PhD. Like it's not going to happen. I'm going to fail this class. Like he, I I've never seen him so upset and I'm calling my mom thinking, Oh no, like, I don't know what we're going to do. This isn't going to work. What did you end with in that class? He got an A and I'm like, really all of that drama (laughs) of, you know, Evan's the type of person that I always would have to study for something three times as long as what Evan would have to. And he was very stressed out and he did just fine his PhD program. But I remember that early on thinking, oh no, he's not going to make it. He definitely made it. (laughs) So when did, when did you guys actually meet? 2009. So when I came back from my MBA, uh, that first semester. I was trying to remember. I thought it was in the MBA, but I, when you were in the MBA, but I couldn't remember. But it wasn't here on campus. It was down. He was a bartender. On Washington <laughs> Street. And I was a bartender. You were a bartender. Where were you a bartender at? I was at Murphy's, and he was at another bar. And you just kind of get to know each other when you bartend. If it's slow at one place, you go wander around and see where the crowd is. And, you know, competitive intelligence. Yeah. So. And we're actually, we're still really good friends with Cassie and Greg who own Murphy's. Yeah. In fact, after, shortly after we got engaged, they spent half of their year in Key Largo. And so we went and stayed with them in Key Largo and we're still in touch with them. Wow. Who knew? A love story. <laughs> that, that's right. How appropriate for Valentine's Day. All involved booze. What, like a lot of love stories to begin. <laughs> that's right. So Abby, why don't you talk a little about your work history? Sure. So I came back to get my MBA. After that, economy was picking up. It was great. I took a job in Dallas at ISN. And we thought at the time, oh, there's lots of universities, you know, in Dallas, like this will work out. Evan will get a job there. And and I loved ISN. It was a great, you know, great first career, great community. But for nine months, you know, Evan looked and there there just weren't any job opportunities there. So I then uh, was contacted by a recruiter through Chesapeake Energy. I interviewed with them for six months. I want that on the record because that's a long time. (laughs) And I know it's so frustrating because we'll hear from students. They've been interviewing back and forth, you know, for a month or like sometimes it just takes time. I remember using up almost a week's vacation interviewing with Chesapeake before, um, before it was all said and done. But that brought us back to Oklahoma because Evan just had more opportunities here at OSU than what we could find there. So I was at Chesapeake for about five years, and then I worked in manufacturing. And all of this was in human resources, so compensation, employee and leadership development. And I always loved higher education, but I wanted to get that experience, that industry experience first. And then here I am. You you missed Charles Machine Works. Well, yeah, I said manufacturing, so Charles Machine Works. My job there was doing training and development. We had seven companies across the U.S., from Petaluma, California, to Ohio, to Florida. And I think it was the summer of 2017 where (laughs) I was on the road six weeks out of 12 of the summer. And our kids were two and four at the time. In fact, Ryan Greenbaum, who used to be a professor here, he would bring the kids over to our house and they would have bath time. They would throw the kids in the pool, order pizza, and that, that was bath time. <laughs> but at the end of that summer, Evan and I had a very you know, direct conversation around how me being gone half the summer is tough when we have a two and a four-year-old at home. So um, that eventually also was part of the decision to come back to OSU. It's led you guys to where you guys are now, which you have a new role. Relatively new. Um, and yeah, now I'm, I'm serving as the assistant dean. 
And I've been in this role for almost two years now. Okay. So what are the roles like from your undergrad professor that I had you at <laughs> to now? Well, um, so I was very much focused primarily on teaching, right? Research was very secondary and was able to push a couple of things out, but it was very much teaching focused. And then moving into administrative role, well, when I first came in, we were also rolling out all of the new BADM courses. So the 2111, 3111, 3113, 2233. And so I was dividing my time, uh, you know, between teaching and then things like working with student organizations and student engagement and serving on a lot of the you know, committees here, uh, you know, for Spears, as well as serving as a Spears representative for a lot of university-wide committees, really trying to um, take some of the burden off of Dr. Mason. And then essentially there's that wonderful phrase at the end of everyone's job description that says other duties as required. And that's very much, um, you know, whatever I can do to help out whatever questions I, it's, it's, I see it very much as a service opportunity that it's an opportunity to serve other members of this community and help out in any way I possibly can. It's gone well. Yeah. Now he's our unofficial statistician. So, uh, so that we, uh, he helps crank out some numbers when we need them, uh, especially when we talk about online numbers. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's another long story. <laughs> we, we, we won't go into it this time. But it's, but it's wonderful to get to, you know, it, it's an application of what I studied as well as now what I teach. And so it's really a great opportunity to use those skills in service to the, to the you know, the college. And you teach a new course too on top of this. Yes. Of teaching. We do have a, a new data analytics course. Um uh, it's BADM 2233. And it's, you know, we're really last semester. So this, the fall of 2021 was the first semester that we taught that class. And we did this in conjunction. It's been this amazing partnership with InnerWorks and IT, you know, uh, an information technology company here in Stillwater that was founded by a Spears alum. Uh, and we worked with them to develop, okay, it, they do uh, data visualization and data analytics for other organizations. And so, well, what are the essential skills that our students need to have to function at a very basic level, right? To be to be data literate. And so, we developed the curriculum in conjunction with InnerWorks. Uh, they have actually they came into the class and then taught like six weeks of the course. So it was a it was a great first effort, and now we're working to fine tune the class and. And so it's been a, a great process. I've enjoyed the experience. Yeah, we, we finally drove a stake to the heart of business calculus. After probably Rick Wilson and I had MSI have tried probably for the last 25 years to affect this change. So, uh, except for our, our economics majors that will still utilize that. And, and it's very important to them. Right. But it's not a requirement for everybody. It's optional now, so have at it. Uh, so, and Abby, what brought you back? You were the uh, until recently the Easton Center uh, director, right? So, kind of talk about that experience and then what you're transitioned into now. Yeah, absolutely. What I was doing in manufacturing, which I loved, so I was traveling, I was doing all these trainings, and my audience was primarily assemblers and welders and mechanics. But then I did a lot of executives too. 
And I liked that because it was resonating with people and it was helping them kind of reach that next level. But when I heard about the Easton Center and what that could be in the new courses, I thought, gosh, the same things I'm doing in the corporate world, you know, the impact that this could have, we're talking a thousand students a semester every year. And as an HR professional, I see the need for these skills that we're teaching. I've never seen a leader fail because of lack of technical skill, right? You get to those executive positions because you, you know how to do the thing, right? What happens is poor communication skills, your ego gets in the way. I mean, it's all those things around self-awareness. And so there's such a need for that. When I saw this, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. And then more recently now, I, they always teased me. I only got like one class or two classes a semester. Um, and so now I have a lot more. I moved out of the director role of the Easton Center. I'm a professor of practice. And my full job is in the classroom teaching, teaching, teaching. And I love it. It's a lot of fun. What are all of the courses you're teaching now? So right now I teach our career readiness seminar, professional development seminar, and then our interpersonal skills class, one section of that. Okay. Wow. You teach a lot more than... I teach a lot more. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying well, it. And also you uh, kind of uh, develop an interest in workforce development. Yeah. Right? So why don't you talk about that? So workforce development, as far as we've heard these terms recently, the great resignation. You've, he- you've seen headlines around labor shortages all over the U.S. right now. And it's really interesting to see what that how that's impacting Oklahoma. I'm really passionate about economic development in Oklahoma, how companies can be very competitive here. And these labor shortages and these resignations are a huge issue. So we just got done um, completing a study just this past month on, okay, what's happening in Oklahoma right now? And I can tell you that, you know, the top reasons of people that are unemployed, that aren't going back to the workforce, there's concerns due to COVID. They don't want to get exposed at work. And then the costs associated with starting a job. So think of if you work somewhere and you have to have black shoes and khaki pants. Some people don't have the, they don't have those funds, right? But then when it comes to leaving work, we're seeing that flexible work scheduling and remote work is almost as important as healthcare. So you've got salary, number one, healthcare, and flexible scheduling is number three. And I think it's important for companies in Oklahoma to hear that and see that, because if we think we're going to go back to how it was before the pandemic, that's just not realistic. And I don't want our state to lose talent to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that that's the, you, you hear that, well, I can't wait to get back to normal. Well, there there is no normal, right? Or it's a brand new normal. So I think. You're going to turn back the clock. It's just not going to happen. It's not. And you have a, we've had a huge portion, 25% of people that stopped working at the start of the pandemic that haven't come back to work are 55 and older. They got a taste of retirement and gosh, I don't want to go back to a required 45 hours a week. So how can we be more flexible and provide work opportunities for people that they want to be part of? I'm really passionate in helping companies figure out what that looks like. Evan, you've taught for a while. Uh, how have you seen the way you teach, not what you teach, uh, evolve over that time? It's really a, a move from, so the, the primary change that I've seen was 
when I got here, you know, there were still professors using overheads and writing on the blackboard as the primary way of presenting information. And yes, I'm a little older, but, you know, when I started teaching, it was still, it was just PowerPoint and lecture notes and okay, here's the information. And now you're going to regurgitate it on the exam. And that was, it was kind of what they call that sage on the stage model. And that was how most of the class classes operated. Uh, what I've really seen is a change to more utilization of technology. So we could do more things that are more interesting than just giving you the slides and giving you the lecture. Now it's, we can do some interactive cases and we can use online simulations and we could do a lot of really cool stuff. And so I think the integration of technology has made courses more interesting. I also think that there's been a real emphasis uh, for higher education in general to really bring in a lot of practical examples. So not just some case studies, but to get uh, companies and professionals. And we have just, we have an amazing alumni base that are eager to come and share. And so we've seen more engagement with uh, practice as well. Yeah, I think that those have been really good trends. And I think it's, uh, and I know because of the pandemic, we paused some of that just because we've had to do virtual and other things. And I'm hoping that, uh, knock on wood, uh, when the pandemic is in the rearview mirror, that we can get back to being uh, more focused on the things you talked about. Well, and in... I would say the one upside that we had, you know, regarding the pandemic, though, was now all of a sudden we're better equipped to utilize technology to broaden the scope of who we can include, though, because it's not maybe just bringing somebody to campus, which Stillwater, we're kind of isolated. Sometimes that's challenging. But, you know, last Last spring, we had the CFO of the Dallas Cowboys speak to the Business Student Council and my friend Vander that has worked for Apple and Google and eBay and all these other big tech companies and lives in Seattle, you know, came and was on Zoom and spoke about design and user experience. And so you can really, you know, one thing that this has taught us is how to utilize technology to really broaden uh, the availability and bring in even you know, broader range of, of speakers and involvement and things like that. Do you see Spears doing this exact same thing in three to five years? You know what? I, I really love the face-to-face, in-person learning environment. I think there's something really special about that. That's one of the things that energizes me to come to work every day. I love interacting with students. And so I hope it's not just, you know, I hope that students don't totally opt out of that in-person experience, but I think that it's offered us an opportunity to become much more skilled and to develop our competencies in that online learning environment to provide a much better product. And because we're providing a better product, one that is more similar to the in-person or face-to-face experience, I think it becomes a viable option for, you know, for our students that may be juggling a, a lot of hours at work so that they can finance their own school or they can add more hours so they can graduate on time. And so I think that we've learned that online is, is an invaluable tool in, for our students. All right. Well, you know, I think this is the Valentine's episode, so we should transition into the... Uh, the lightning round. All the point, point totals are doubled, right? So keep that in mind. You know, first of all, easy. So what's it like working together? 
You want me to start? Yes, please. So we, we, we started the first year of our marriage in different states, right? He was here. I was in Dallas. He used to fly on the weekends um, to Dallas. And so we went from that extreme. And now we went from working under the same roof to now we're on the same floor. But honestly, I don't know how much has really changed because we don't see each other at work a whole lot. We, we probably go to lunch maybe once a week. We don't drive to work together. Um, we're just, we don't, we're on different schedules. I, I love to run in the mornings and he goes to the Colvin. He takes the kids. I typically now pick them up and take them to swim class. So I don't know if that much has changed, but maybe he thinks I'm totally intruding on his life now. I don't know. No, it's, it's allowed us to collaborate motivated in terms of our, just our life. And so, you know, I do, I, I get to help get kids and Abby make sure that they've been fed. And then I make sure that they're ready and get them off to school. I love dropping them off every morning and then I'll go straight from there to the gym, but, and, you know, work all day. And then she takes care of the evening activities and I run home to go cook. And so it's, it's really allowed us to collaborate and coordinate much more effectively. And you guys said there's six and eight now. There's yes. six and eight. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Boy, girl, girl. One of each. One of each. Which one's older? The boy. Is he Big the, brother. the protective older brother? I, I'm like not sure crush. he's hit that groove yet. <laughs> 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 but they both, it's funny. So Zoe is totally Evan. I mean, her sleep schedule, like Evan's a night owl. I, I'm up at five at least every morning. And so is Eli. So Eli's personality is me. He looks like his dad. And Zoe, her personality is totally Evan. She will sleep in. She's a little more introverted and creative where Eli's just whatever's on his mind, blah. And he gets that, he, get, he gets it from his mama. <laughs> before all of this started, before the marriages and everything, where was your first date and who asked? I'm going to let you answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might have been a, a, a Twilight movie in Oklahoma City. Which is really uh, embarrassing. But it was... Twilight it, think, was so bad. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was very much mutual assent. I don't remember who asked. Yeah, he, he cooked for me uh, at least two meals before we actually ever went anywhere. And so that's why I married him is because... His cooking skills. Oh my gosh. You were test driving. I was culinary test driving skills. it. <laughs> uh, so I make pancakes in our house. Evan makes everything else. <laughs> so that answers you know the next question we're gonna ask who is the best cook yeah no no contest is there something you like to cook like is there one recipe you're just great at oh tonight well it's it's really we have a six and eight year old it's really driven by oh, what yeah. will you eat and what oh, yeah. will you be excited by and and strangely enough, the children's favorite meal is shrimp and sausage, right? So a pseudo Cajun style, so Old Bay seasoning and smoked sausage with onions and rice. And that's their favorite thing. So I love making it. I don't see how they could hate it. That sounds so good. It's so good. <laughs> you can come over tonight if you want. Okay, perfect. Tell me when. I'll see you guys there. Um, when did you guys know like each other were quote the one? Oh, I'm so telling this story. So So we're watching Four Christmases, you know, the one with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. And they never get married. Um, they just decide not to. And he looked at me and he's like, Would you be okay with that? 
And I said, because he has some weird, I don't know, fear of divorce. Um, and I said, and I just said, no, no. like I want to have kids. Like, no, I want to get married. And I think we got engaged uh, less than three months later um, after that conversation. At the end of that <laughs> night, I thought, okay, this is totally over. Um, but then we kept talking. So I assumed that it wasn't. <laughs> well, on my side, it was... Um so she came to Christmas with my family and shortly afterwards, my father called me to his office, like in his professional, you know, uh, in a very professional fashion. And so I was like, oh, what is this? And we sat down and he goes, listen, your mother and I have talked. If you mess this one up, we're keeping her and you can go. <laughs> And, and it, it, you know, it was just kind of like, he's absolutely right. Right. She's brilliant and fun and driven. And he was right. She was absolutely the right choice. And I think that helped me realize it. We had a similar conversation with our son. So I, I, I can empathize with your dad. A little parental so. threat goes yeah, along never way. Try a little, no. uh, you know, just to make sure you, you're, you're tracking on the right track. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you about the other person. Okay. So what is their favorite movie? So Abby, what is Evan's favorite movie? Casablanca. Cause I asked him last night. <laughs> it is. It is. That's my favorite old movie. And then from my childhood, it would be Empire Strikes Back. Those are two movies I can watch over and over. Hers, um, from childhood, Lilo and Stitch is one that she watches with the kids all the time. Uh, Mama Mia. <laughs> I do like, I love some ABBA. <laughs> Dancing queen. <laughs> uh, what is uh, each other you consider best feature? Go ahead. <laughs> No, I am consistently amazed that Abby will tackle projects of significant complexity and require a lot of follow through. And she can take these, these really complicated, dense issues and, you know, and formulate goals and strategies and get people to work with her and drive towards, you know, a, a point of success. And I think that's what's really gotten her noticed around this building is that if you want to get something done and done well, make sure Abby's part of that team. And so I'm just constantly and consistently amazed by her ability to really manage and drive uh, amazing projects. Well, I was going to say your voice and now I feel bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what attracted me to him first. Uh, but number two, Evan doesn't get flustered. Like he, he just doesn't, we're kind of a yin and yang in that regard. Um, he doesn't get flustered very easily and he's pretty, he's pretty laid back and low key. So like when I am working on one of these projects and going insane and driving him insane, he does an incredible job of just balancing us both out. And I would say the number one thing I thought about this morning that works for us is Evan. He's, he's an incredible partner and spouse and dad and to, all of the ladies listening, I mean, that if you want to have a career that is something that you're going to be able to put a lot into, you got to have someone that's going to support you through that. And so while being gone half of the summer was a lot of stress, he was still supportive of what I wanted to do regardless. So that's so important. We do not have gender roles in our house. He does Eli's laundry. I do Zoe's. I mean, things are very, you know, divided. And now I'm picking up more of the load because he's been carrying most of it. In fact, the 
kids school carded me once when I went to go pick up our kids because they had never seen me. And so, um, and that's, that's just so important. I'd say for, for anyone, you know, when you're finding that right person, especially on this Valentine's day, you're listening to this, make, make sure they're going to support, you know, whatever your, your goals are in life. Well, I think that's a great way to, to leave it. So again, uh, thank you so much, both of you for being here and also being a member of this college. We are a much better institution for having you both here. So I appreciate all that you do for us and, and our students. So wish you both a happy Valentine's Day uh, and everybody else out there. So Alexis, uh, well done again. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you the next time on The Buzz on Business.